Okay, so tonight, tonight we're going to um, look at, I guess we'll get through at least Nehemiah 3 and 4, but let me just kind of bring you up to um, kind of a refresher on what we did last week. Last week, you remember, we, we went through just kind of a summary of the book of Ezra because the book of Ez, books of Ezra and Nehemiah are pretty much bound together. The book of Ezra talks about the building of the temple. You remember it got delayed. And then as we began into the book of Nehemiah, God calls him to go and repair the walls of the city. They've been broken down. The gates have been burned. And so to complete the rebuilding of Jerusalem as God commissioned would happen after, after the Jews were taken captive by uh, Babylon and King Cyrus, as you recall, sent them back. We, we went through the first two chapters of Nehemiah last time. We saw where Nehemiah was called and how he... He was in a position to ask the king for permission to go back and build and rebuild those walls um, and everything. And God's grace was God's favor was with him and God allowed him to go back. So we find ourselves here in chapter three. Last week, you recall, Nehemiah did run into some challenges as he went in there, just like we run into challenges when we try to put um, do God's work. As we try to build the things in him, we will have distractions. We will have anything that can come our way to take us off course. Nehemiah did not let that happen, just like Ezra before him. So in chapter three, if you read through chapter three ahead of time, you might think um, this is going to be a really uninteresting chapter. There's a lot of names in it. There's a lot of uh, talks about the repairs that went on to the various parts of the wall in Jerusalem. And it could be one of those chapters that you just think, well, you just kind of read through quickly. But tonight we're going to read through it. And knowing that every word of the Bible is here for a reason. God God has given us, you know, every, every we will know everything that God had intended us to know. There's family names in here and people's names in here that we we don't know today. We might be able one day to understand who these people are and why God had them work on that part of the building of the wall. But we are going to go through this, you know, verse by verse as we've been doing in every book of the Bible that we study. We'll be looking at the names, but we're also going to be looking at what was repaired. So I've got, as we go through this chapter three, a, um, a screen to share with you that'll help you. You, if you want, you don't want to look at your Bible. If you just want me to read, you'll be able to look at this, this picture here. It's a picture of the walls, the gates and walls of Nehemiah or Jerusalem at the time of Nehemiah. And as we go through this, you will see that, you know, as God talks about this, you know, the priest, Eliashib, uh, you know, repaired the sheep gate and the priests with him. And then we go counterclockwise around this entire wall surrounding the city of Jerusalem. You see up there in the upper uh, north corner there, the, the Temple Mount, where the temple may well have been located at that time. You see all the gates you know, that come into, that come into um, Jerusalem. You're going to see the things that are mentioned the priest's houses, the broad wall, Eliashib's house, uh, stairs descending from the city of David. Um, you'll see all those as we go through chapter three, give you a, a better idea of what it is that Nehemiah and his group were repairing. Remember, it told us that all those walls were broken down. All the gates were burned. So there had been people who had come in trying to destroy the city of Jerusalem, but Nehemiah is there now to repair everything. If we just get a feel for the map there, if you go down to the bottom, the southern part there, the narrow part, you see down at the very bottom says stairs ascending from the city of David. So the city of David 
is, is um, you know, what it's called in the Bible. Uh, God gave David that land. And in that area between the water gate and the fountain gate, they say, is where Hezekiah's tunnel is. That's where the Gihon Spring is. Off to the east of that city is the Kidron Valley. And you'll see down there in the southern part, the tomb of David. So some of the kings were buried in that area there around the city of David. So just to give you a little bit of the geography there, if you look at the very southern uh, border, on this map, it's called the Dung Gate. We'll, we'll read it. It'll be called the Refuse Gate. That's where all the trash, all the excrement was taken out of Jerusalem. That was, that was not a, that was a gate where they just got rid of everything. But right there by the Dung Gate is the King's Garden. Um, and what some are thinking are the Pool of Siloam, it actually does say that there is a pool a pool um, right there. So let's go chapter through chapter three. I'll make some comments. Oh, I'm confused about something. Pardon? Oh, this is Jeremy. I'm confused about something. Um, yeah. So it has all these people's houses, but I don't see Nehemiah's houses anymore. I mean, anywhere in it. And it specifically says in the Bible that Nehemiah had a house. Yep. But I guess it wasn't anything because it's not mentioned in chapter three. So what they mentioned here in chapter three are just the things that they were repairing. So, um, uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of what's listed on this map here. All right. So let's um, go through that. I'll make a few comments along the way. Um, and then when we're done with this, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about those gates. Because as we look at the names of the gates, there may be some significance um, in them as we go around the city again after we get through with chapter three. Because God names things, God names things for a reason. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. So chapter three of Nehemiah, verse one, says, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. You see the sheep gate right there at the top north, uh, north, just at the northeast corner of Jerusalem. They say the sheep gate is where the sheep that were brought in for sacrificing came in through that, through that gate. That gate, um, you know. That gate is also mentioned. Christ mentions it in John 5, verse 2, and he talks about the sheep gate. You don't have to go there, but let me just read John 5, 2, so we can kind of see the context of these gates in other parts of the Bible as, as they're mentioned um, as well. So in John 5, in verse 2, it says, there is, a, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Now, I do not see a pool there, even uh, there, but maybe that's just not listed there because it's not listed in Nehemiah, but there's a sheep gate. There's a sheep gate that there, and, and that is what they say is where the, like I said, the sheep for the sacrifices were brought in, and then uh, I guess, well, yeah, brought in for, for sacrifices. Um, they consecrated the sheep gate, they hung it on its doors, and they built it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, um, the Tower of the Hundred, you see that right next door to the Sheep Gate there. They've built it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated it, and then as far as the Tower of Hananel. Um, Hananel means God has favored. So Eliashib and the priests, and it's, notice, it's notable that it was the priests who built that section of the wall, because as you read through Nehemiah 3, only the, the priests only build one other section of the wall, and we'll get to that. So it's noticeable, notable that they were building, um, you know, God commissioned them to build that 
temp that part of the wall there from the sheep gate all the way over to the tower of Hananel. So in verse two of chapter three, it says, next to Eliashib, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zachor, the son of Imri built. Also the sons of Asana built the fish gate. So you see the fish gate there. Um, there in the north, kind of northwest corner. Uh, they say that the fish gate was where the merchants would come in. The merchants that were selling fish and other wares would come in through, through that gate. Um, so that was what that gate was used primarily for. So they repaired or they built the fish gate and they laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz, made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Mes, uh, wow, Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Baana, made repairs. Next to them, the Tekoites made repairs. Um, but, and it's interesting here, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of their Lord. So it's kind of interesting. They were kind of commissioned that they were going to build that portion of the gate there, but their nobles, their 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 main guys, they didn't bother. They didn't bother working. Um, and God took note of that in there. I guess it's kind of a warning to us or a, an admonition to us. You know, don't let someone else do the work we're commissioned to do. If we say we're participating in the work, participate, participate in the work, and don't just think we can delegate it to someone else. God wants to see all of our efforts and and efforts put into His work. Verse 6, moreover, Jehoiada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besadeah, repaired the old gate. You see the old gate up there in green. Um, really nothing notable about the old gate. I, tried, I looked up in many commentaries to see what happened in that gate. Why is it specifically mentioned? But must just have been an entrance into the city. Nothing, nothing really notable about that that I could find at all. So they repaired the old gate, they laid its beams, and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. So you can see there's the construction of the wall, but also the construction of the gate and all the detail that goes with that. Verse 7, next to them, Melatiah, the Gibeonite, Jadon, the Maranoth, the Maranothite, the men of Gibeon, and Mizpah, repaired the residence of the governor of the region beyond the river. Um... Is the residence there? I don't see the um, I don't see the residence there of the, but it would be there because the broad wall is coming up, uh, coming up in a, a little bit here. So um, it's right there in that section. The residence of the governor of the region beyond the river. Next to him, Uziel, the son of Ariah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs. And next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. And they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. You can see the broad wall, probably so named because it looks like about the longest straight stretch of wall that goes around Jerusalem. So a variety of people were involved in repairing repairing that wall. Uh, verse 9 says, next to them, Rephaiah, the son of Hur, leader of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. And next to them, Jediah, the son of Haramoth, made repairs in front of his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Ashnabdia made repairs. So we're coming up to um, Jediah's house. Um, well, that must be the houses we just talked about here. You will see the priest's houses down there, right in the center, right below the temple. 
And those priest houses, we'll talk about them a little bit more when we get over to the horse gate. Uh, they're tied to that horse gate um, in an interesting, kind of an interesting way. So um, they made repairs. Verse 11 says, Melchijah, the son of Melchijah, the son of Harim, um, and Heshub, the son of Pehath Moab, repaired another section, as well as the tower of the ovens. So you can see we're coming down to the valley gate here. Um, and Hanun and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. Now, we read about the valley gate last week. If you remember when Nehemiah came from uh, the king that sent from the king that sent him, he ran into some people who were in Jerusalem, but he didn't tell those people that he was there to repair the walls. He kept the reason that he was there quiet. But at night, you remember, he went around the southern part of the city to kind of survey what what did the city look like? What was the wall like? And he could see it pretty well at night. And it specifically mentioned the Valley Gate back in chapter two that he went uh, that he went up to and surveyed that whole area in there. So that was the part here, the southwestern part of the uh, wall that he that he looked at as he was as he was repairing or as he was getting ready to get to work on repairing the wall. Uh, so that's the tower of the ovens. And uh, did we just talk about the valley gate? Yeah. And then the inhabitants of Zernoah repaired the valley gate. They built it. They hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And they repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the refuse gate. Okay. So you can see here they are from the valley gate all the way down to the very southernmost part of the city and the wall of Jerusalem. So they did, as it says there, we have a we have the measurement there, repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the refuse gate. Now we talked a little bit about the refuse gate. Um, that was where they put off the old and defiled. Um, one of the commentaries, and I did kind of try to check this back in Second Chronicles, and I couldn't verify it, but somehow one of the commentaries says that in that in by that refuse gate is where King Manasseh, evil King Manasseh of Judah, did a lot of the child sacrificing that he was doing. So down that that might have been the area that he did that um, in. Um, I couldn't find a specific reference of that in the Bible where it talks about where he was where he was killing or where he was doing those child sacrifices didn't seem to match up to me, but the commentary, at least one of them was pretty, uh, pretty sure it happened. But do remember that in this area, evil King Manasseh, um, he was doing, he was doing child sacrifices there. And it was because of evil King Manasseh that God said, even though he repented, that God said, Jerusalem is still going to be um, going into captivity. So we're down at the Dung Gate. The Dung Gate, we see down there the King's Garden that might have been in that area, the pool of um, what might have been the, the or what became the Pool of Siloam. Then it says, Melchijah, the son of Rechab, leader of the district of Beth-Hakarim, repaired the refuse gate. He built it and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Verse 15, Shalon, the son of Kolhosa, leader of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. So we come around here, the stairs descending from the city of David, the fountain gate. Remember, it was in uh, generally believed, and when you look at the maps of the city of David, the Hezekiah's tunnel was in this area, the spring of Gihon was in this area as well. 
If you remember from our other Bible studies, the spring of Gihon was the only freshwater spring in that area. So um, when God had the city of David, when he gave David that area, and it's called the city of David, and the temple was built in that area, they needed a tremendous amount of water with all the sacrifices that were going on in the temple, all the blood that had to be washed away, the priests that had to do the washing, and all the people that were working in the temple, they needed an almost inexhaustible supply of water. And that spring of Gihon provided that. It's the only area in Jerusalem. So we know that the temple was there in that area, and that water was used in all of the functions of the temple that God had them to do. That's a lesson, a reminder, God provides, God provides everything we need. We just have to kind of trust him to lead us to the right place and do the things and he'll provide whatever we need to do, you know, to, to, to get what he wants us to do done. So we're at the fountain gate. We're at the fountain gate here in verse uh, 15. Okay, so Shalom repaired the fountain gate. He built it, covered it, hung its doors with its bolts and bars and repaired the wall of the pool of Shelah, okay, that would be what's labeled there as the pool of Siloam, repaired the wall of the pool of Shelah by the king's garden. So you see the king's garden down there, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. So he repaired the fountain gate in that area, down there in that area, he repaired that whole section of wall. After him, Nehemiah, this is a, a different Nehemiah, the son of, well, hold on just a minute. After this Nehemiah, different Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, leader of half the district of Beth Zur, made repairs as far as the place in front of the tombs of David. So he was working on that as well. Now, I, I said that that's a different Nehemiah, and I should have looked that up more carefully. That may be... Maybe the Nehemiah we're talking about, he would have participated in the work just like all of us participate in the work there. He was supervising, but he also was uh, working as well. But it may be another one as well. I'll have to look that up. Anyway, he made repairs as far as the place in front of the tombs of David. We talked about that. The kings were buried on that side near the Kidron Valley to the man-made pool. Notice it says there on your map, artificial pool. And as far as the house of the mighty. And do we see the house of the mighty there? We don't see the house of the mighty there, but that's okay. You get the very, you get the uh, general idea of where he was working and repairing the wall in that area. After him, the Levites, remember the Levites, under him, the Levites, under Rehum, the son of Bani, Bani made repairs. Next to him, Hashabiah, leader of half the district of Kalah, made repairs for his district. And after him, their brethren, under Beve, the son of Hanadad, leader of the other half of the district of Kayla, made repairs. So, kind of going up the going up the wall here. And next to him, Ezar, the son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, repaired another section in front of the ascent to the armory. Now, I've seen the ascent to the armory here somewhere. May have been another another um, another map I was looking at, but it would be in the same in these the same area here. Yeah, the same area here of the of the wall. For some reason, that one's not listed there. Um, to the ascent of the armory at the buttress, and then Baruch carefully repaired the other section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. So you can see. 
where Eliashib's house is there on the on the um, west side of the city. Now it's labeled number 28, and he repaired that wall and the things up into the house of Eliashib. And after him, the priests, the men of the plain, made repairs. And then in verse 23, after him, Benjamin and his shoe made repairs opposite their house. You can see Benjamin and his shoes house, number 30 there. And then Azariah, the son of Messiah, M-A-A-S-E-I-A-H. I'm going to pronounce that Messiah, but it's not Messiah. Um, like Jesus Christ, the son of Ananiah, made repairs in his house. And so you can see um, Azariah's house is there. So the section of the wall, as we go counterclockwise, back up to the top um, northeast corner. Palau, the Mr. son of... Go Mr. ahead. Mr. Shaby. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Um, the ascent to the armory is number 24. Is it? Ah, there it is. It's on the other side mm -hmm. of the map. Okay. I, yeah. Very good. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I guess they just they just kind of labeled everything everywhere. And, and everything. Okay. Very good. Okay. Kind of we see where we are. Uh, Jeremy or Tracy, did you have your hand up? Oh, yeah, I did. That was for the question before, but I have another one. Um, are we going to cover like the king's upper palace? Like, I thought there was no king in Jerusalem at that time. Um, let me see where you're, where do you see King's upper palace on the lower middle? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I actually think we do. Um, let me get there. It must be coming up if it's mentioned there. Okay. Okay. There was no King there, but remember they're repairing everything that was there. Let me look at these gates here to make sure I'm not missing something on the way. Um, no, okay. So we are on our way up to the horse. I don't know if we've gotten to the water gate yet even. So, um, moreover, the Nethanim who dwelt in Ophel made repairs as far as the place in front of the water gate toward the east and on the projecting, on the projecting tower. The Tekoites, we talked about the Tekoites before. Their nobles didn't want to participate in the work, but the Tekoites repaired another section next to the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. That's up there by number 34. And beyond the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. So um, they say the horse gate is where the priests would enter into the temple area. So we have the priests then repairing their houses right there in the center, right? They were doing the repair on their houses. They were redoing the repair on the horse gate. That would be where, where the commentaries anyway tell us that that's where they were entering into the temple area or went out from the temple area and with their houses being right there um, below the temple mount, which makes sense. So they were, they were working on those. And then Zadok, the son of Immer, made repairs in front of his own house. And Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, made um, made repairs. The east gate, the east gate is is also called the temple gate. Um, it appears to be like one of the main entrances into the temple area, and you can see how it's positioned that it would lead right into the temple area. The east gate is mentioned in some other areas um, as well. It may be 
if you remember when Christ entered into um, into Jerusalem um, and they were uh, laying down palm branches before him and honoring him as a king, the East Gate is probably where he entered into. But let me go to the book of Ezekiel because the East Gate is mentioned in Ezekiel a couple of times. And it's in, um, first one is in Ezekiel 10. Ezekiel 10 and verse 9. And there it says, if I have that right, 1019, sorry. Ezekiel 1019. The glory, verse 18 says, The glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. And this is when the temple... Um, when the temple is there, and the cherubim lifted their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight. This is Ezekiel writing of a vision. And when they went out, the wheels were beside them, and they stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them. This is the living creature I saw under the God of Israel by the river Chabar, Chabar and I knew they were cherubim. And then he describes those. So as he had a vision, he saw the, he saw the cherubim go up, and there he was at the east gate. It's a significant, it's a significant gate, um, if you will. And if that was this gate that Christ entered into um, at the time when he was coming into Jerusalem before he was arrested and then sacrificed, uh, being you know the, the sacrificial lamb, uh, that would show the importance of it to God as it heads right into the temple area. In Ezekiel 43, this would be speaking of the millennial temple. In verses 1 to 4, um, Ezekiel, as he is, uh, God is giving him the vision of what it, of, of what the, that temple will be like, and he gives him all the instructions of the temple, how it should be built. He says, afterward, he brought me to the gate, the gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. It was like the appearance of the vision which I saw like the vision which I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision which I saw by the river Kabar, and I fell on my face. And the glory of the Eternal came into the temple by way of the gate which faces toward the east. So a significant gate there, the east gate, as, as we come into it. And, um, you know, it was Zadok and Shemaiah who were the keepers of the east gate, and they were the ones who were did the... Uh, the repairs on it. So moving on up, moving on up, um, as we go north of the east gate, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, the sixth son of Zaleph, repaired another section, and then Meshulam made repairs in front of his dwelling. You see Meshulam's quarters there. I did not look up. I did not look up, and I should have. Who was who was Meshulam? He must have been someone to have his quarters be so close, so close to the temple there. He obviously served in it, just like we have the Hall of the Temple Servants and Merchants uh, that are there right next to the Temple Mount, right next to the Temple Mount um, as well. Um, after him, Elkijah, uh, the goldsmiths made repair as far as the House of the Nethanim, and of the merchants in front of the Mithgate, which is really um, what's called the inspection or muster gate up there. We'll get to that in a minute. Don't know exactly what they did in that either. Couldn't find out 
Oh, no, I did find that one out. Um, let me find my notes here. Yeah, the muster gate is where the sheep that were being brought in, they were brought in and then they were inspected in that area as well. That's why it was called the inspection gate before they went in for the um, sacrifice. And between the upper room at the corner, as far as the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. So what we've done is take a complete circle counterclockwise around the whole city of Jerusalem. You know, God has recorded for us, for some reason, the details of everyone who worked on the wall, everyone who repaired the gates, the details of what they did. And he's given us the name of all those gates. There are 10 gates, if you take the time to count them, uh, that are there around the wall of Jerusalem and the entrance into it. And as you look at as you look at those um, as you look at those gates, there is one um, that I was looking at, and it was in in um, the fountain gate. And you know, in Nehemiah twelve, we'll come to the fountain gate as well. Uh, as well, when they're celebrating, they'll have choirs, and they're going to be in that area. Notable, they're in that area where the spring of Gihon is, and everything like that. But there is there is a, a, a passage in one of the commentaries that I found that was interesting because it took the fountain gate and it and it directed to Zechariah 13. So let's I'm going to go to Zechariah 13 and and read it to you here. Zechariah 13. Shabby, would you mind would you mind muting everyone because I think there's somebody that is providing some feedback. It's a little bit tricky to hear you sometimes. Okay, gotcha. Is that better? Yes, thank you. Okay, very good. Okay, so Zechariah 13. And verse 1. says, In that day, in that day, a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. It shall be in that day, says the Lord of hosts. So in that day, there will be a fountain open for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And so as, as we look at, at, at the fountain, and as you see verses on the living water, it be, it, it, uh, and they were tying it directly to the Holy Spirit in this one commentary that that fountain gate could be a picture of the Holy Spirit. And there in the wall, there in the gate of Jerusalem, you know, you have a picture of what God would do in New Testament times, and that is give his Holy Spirit to people who repent. The fountains of living water, the, 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 the you know, the fountain that will cleanse the sin and, and the baptism and the Holy Spirit that comes through that. It made me think, and it made me think about the, the gates that are here. And as I looked around them, you know, you can see various aspects of spirit, you know, our spiritual lives in this. If you look at the sheep gate, you know, God calls us sheep. We come in, we come in through the wall, uh, through the sheep gate to the temple. God's building a temple in us, right? We we come into his presence through the sheep gate as he calls. Shepherd, we, we hear his voice and we come in. Um you know, if we look at the fish gate, you know, while in old ancient times, it was where the fish, the sellers of fish and other things would come in through that gate. We know fish plays a part in, in the New Testament. 
When Jesus Christ was calling his disciples, remember he told Peter, come and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. And perhaps, yes, perhaps, um, God had, you know, something in mind at, at that point. I do want to, I do want to read because in the, in the prophecy of Zephaniah, the fish gate um, appears as well in Zephaniah. You remember that's the fourth book from the end of the Old Testament. In Zephaniah 1, um, it is talking, the chapter 1 is talking about the great day of the Lord being near. Um, I'm going to begin in verse 8, but the fish gate is mentioned in verse 10, and I'll read down to um, I'll read down to verse 11. So verse 8 in Zephaniah 1, it shall be in the day of the Lord's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with foreign apparel. In that same day, I will punish all those who leap over the threshold, who fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And there shall be on that day, says the Eternal, the sound of a mournful cry from the fish gate, a wailing from the second quarter. So he's talking as he talks about that whole area of, the, of Jerusalem, that area that it, it still exists today. There's going to be a mourning that comes from that area of the fish gate. A wailing from the second quarter, a loud crashing from the hills. Wail, you inhabitants of Maktesh, for all the merchant people are cut down. All those who handle money are cut off. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency, who say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do evil. You know, so... Um, you know, as we look at that fish gate, even in Zephaniah, you know, God draws it to the time of complacency and a time that will come up in Jerusalem because people just thought God was delaying his coming, that he really wasn't there. He really wasn't serious about his, um, our calling. Okay, I've got Jeremy, Lisa, and Randy and Elaine. If, if uh, Go ahead, Jeremy, your hand is up first. Do you have other uh, another comment? Um. No, I don't. For some reason, it's still on. Do you know oh, how to okay. turn? Okay, Mr. Wellhausen. How do you turn it off? Um, there should be something down at the bottom of your screen that says lower your hand. Let me look at my screen. Uh, I've got my my share screen up here, so I can't. Oh, I found it. Okay, um... very good. <laughs> hey, brother, work? I've hey, got hey, a hey, question. On, um, I've seen pictures. There's a gate that's been bricked over. Mm -hmm. One of the gates to the walls of Jerusalem. Which one is it? That is a good question. I don't. I don't know offhand. Does someone know that? We will look that up because I have heard of that, but it isn't mentioned here in Nehemiah. It must be later. I love the question, Mr. Shaby. The question is: uh, one of the walls, uh, one of the gates of Jerusalem, has been bricked over. Does anyone know which gate that is? Mr. Shavey, I've Hi. heard that that's the East Gate because that's yeah. the gate that needs to be open when Christ returns to Jerusalem. Excellent. Excellent. Today. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay. That answers one. Randy and Elaine. Hi. How you doing, Mr. Shavey? Pretty good. How about you? Doing good. So uh, back to that uh, Meshulan's quarters. Uh -huh. He he was the grandfather of the scribe of Shaphan during the reign of Josiah, and he was actually one of the chief Levite priests. And they even talk about down in Nehemiah twelve six, it lists 
all those priests during that time, and he was he was one of the leading ones. Very good, very good. All these all these people, all these people are listed in the Bible for a reason. They did some good work. Very good. Okay, Robert and Susan. I'm sorry, Mr. Shabby. I answered the question already about the East Gate. Oh, okay. Oh, very good. Okay. And Tracy. I just wanted to know where we could get this map. Because when the Zoom goes off, we won't have the map anymore. Um, well, actually, I got this one off of um Google. I typed in what did I type in? Uh map of uh map of Nehemiah three. But what I will do is I will post this as an attachment. Uh, I'll have to figure out how to do that. I'll post this as an attachment in, um, you know, in, in the home office website there so that you you can download it there if you want as well. Thank you very kindly. Mr. Shaby. Yes. Down at the left-hand corner, it says Bible Cartoon C-O-U-K. Yeah. Is that the site? That, no, actually, I, I well, I, I mean, no, I just went to I just went to Google and typed in Nehemiah three map, hit images, and this one came up, and it was the best one I I could find. So, so you can find it there easier than than that website. I never went to that website down there. Okay, hey Tim, uh, Mr. Shaby, I believe the Nehemiahs are two different ones. The uh, Nehemiah the cupbearer was the son of Halkiah in chapter go. one, verse one. And then uh, verse 16, chapter 3, it's uh, son of uh, Asbuck. Okay, thank you. I, my initial thought though, was they were different, but then when I read I thought, did I look that up? And I thought, no, I didn't. So thank you. Thank you. That clarifies that. Okay, so we, well, let me see. We talked about Fishgate. Let me just talk briefly about Oldgate. Um, you know, we know that, we know that um, there is wisdom among the old, Bible says. We, we mature, we grow old. As, as we walk with God and as we understand things, the valley gate, the valley gate, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of the, how does it go? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, a low point in our life could, could represent the humility that we all need to have. The dung gate, the refuse, you know, we put out the garbage from our lives as God leads us and guides us and we understand more about our, um, about who we are and get rid of self and more of his Holy Spirit in us. We talked about the fountain gate, the water gate. The water gate there is, you know, we're washed by the water of the word. And of course, we're baptized in water and we're cleansed by water. So if we look at Ephesians 5, uh, verse uh, 25 and 26 in there, we're washed by the water of the word. And that, you know, that's that area where the Gihon Spring is in there as well. The horse gate you know that's where that's where the priests entered in, but horses have a have a prominent position in the Bible as well. Uh, Jesus Christ comes on a white horse. We have four horsemen in Revelation, and so we have we have that part of the Bible uh, represented in the New Testament as well. And then as you move up to the, of course, the East Gate we talked about a little bit and um, and everything, but the Inspection Gate you know, could could picture the judgment time uh, when God, when we will be resurrected. You know, if he's, 1 Peter 4, 17 says, judgment is now on the house of God. And when Jesus Christ returns, as we're, as we are judged, as we are judged, we enter into the sheep gate, 
we build the wall, we go through our lives, let God build the walls and the temples, and we learn how to stand in the gap and build the walls, he says in Ezekiel 22. And then at the end of our lives, he judges us, you know, he judges us and we are resurrected to either eternal life or condemnation. So it's just interesting when you look at that, as God built the physical temple, we know today he doesn't dwell in physical temples made with hands, but he is dwelling us and building in that temple. So whenever we read of the temple, there's probably something we can learn about us and what God wants us to uh, to know about what we're doing in our lives. So, okay, that'll, that'll complete chapter three. But before I leave, any other questions or comments on it? You guys have had some good good questions and made some good points on it. So so thank you for that. Brother Shady. Yes. Hey. Go ahead, Frank. All right. Just a quick question. Is is this the wall is is that the entire city of Jerusalem, you think? Yes. Okay. Yep. The old the old city of Jerusalem, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey Xavier. Yeah um back to the the, the comment and the, the question you had posted in regard to the dung gate. Yeah. Uh, it says it's, it, it leads right down to the Valley of Himmon. Yes. And that's where, and that's where the, the, that commentary may be making the connection. Because that's where a lot of the child sacrifice took place. Down to the Valley of Hinnom. Okay. That's how they made the connection. Then. Very good. Very good. Thanks. Hey, Sheldon. Hey there. I just, uh, I wanted to just throw in a 30 second comment. You mentioned that, you know, all of these names of all of these people are listed here. Uh, for some reason, <clears throat> that worked on this. And I think it's really cool that God chose to put into his word a permanent record, his word, which will stand forever, the names of the families who came together as a community and a congregation to do a very hard job and really sacrifice to build something together as a community in 51 days to do an amazing work. And I feel like Maybe one of the reasons they're listed is because God is giving them credit for the sacrifice and the work they did together as a unit, as a unified group of uh, a congregation that worked hard to get this done. And and maybe it's just to to say, hey, these people, they did this. Yeah. And, you know, obviously God did it, but, um, you know, they, they he gives them the credit, too. Yeah, very good. That's that's a great observation. Right. When we all work together to look how quickly they. You know, the task got completed. That that's an excellent observation. That may well be why God did it. They all they all worked together to get that wall built. And and they did do it in a miraculous 52 days, despite despite the distractions that they had and the people who were against them that did not want to see that that wall built. And we'll get into that a little bit more in here in chapter four. So um uh hey, I I I I see you, your iPad three. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Jan. I'm hi, Jan. Jan. Hmm. Uh, I just wanted to mention there in verse twelve that we had some lady carpenters too, daughters of Shalom that uh, also made repairs on the wall. And uh, don't know if there were any others, but it, they were definitely mentioned right there in verse twelve. Very good. I'm glad you pointed that out. I read right over that. <laughs> yes, I, I, everyone's got a part. Everyone's got a part, right? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Excellent. Hey, Debbie. Hi, Mr. Shaby. What happened to Zerubbabel? Zerubbabel? Um, yeah. Well, he, yeah. Zerubbabel, he, he's in Zechariah. He's not in Nehemiah. Right? Right. But Bell he came Joshua. originally. 
He came originally to the temple. In, in I, Ezra? I, yes, I would have to look at. I would have to look and see. I I, I don't know the answer to that question, but <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see. So, Zerubbabel. Okay. I know he's in Zechariah, but maybe maybe it's a different. Maybe it's. Hold on a minute. Hi, Mister Shabby. You'll find that Zerubbabel. It's Peter here. You'll find that Zerubbabel hey, is mentioned. Uh, you'll find right. that Zerubbabel is, <laughs> is mentioned in Haggai. Haggai, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll look up Zerubbabel, find out what happened to him. He's not. He's not mentioned in Nehemiah anywhere, at least as as far as I've read. So, so he must not be here right now. So, no. But Zerubbabel okay. would. Zerubbabel was round about the five hundreds. Okay. In Ezra two, verse two, Zerubbabel came with Joshua. It says Nehemiah, Sariah, and several others. I mean, yeah, he was that, prominent in Ezra. Yes, that's correct. Yes, yes. Let me look that up, Debbie. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to see if I can trace trace the bell through there, um, since he's a figure later on too, and we'll 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 address that next week. Okay. Okay. Let me just make a note to myself here. So, if I can just finish up my comment there, Mr. Shabby. Also, oh, it, yeah, this really that. reminds me very much of the New Testament passage that talks about the whole body working together, everyone doing their part, every part being important, everyone contributing as one body. And it doesn't matter if you're building the the uh, water gate, the beautiful gate, or the dung gate. Everybody has a part that's important. They all have to be built. Excellent point. It all has to be done, and God decides what part we do, right? So we just gladly and and do it to the best of our ability. So, Mr. Shabby, Zerubbabel also is is in in Nehemiah. It's in Nehemiah seven verse seven. Okay, okay, I stand corrected. I'm going to look and see where Nehemiah how Zer, what Zerubbabel's uh, part was here. So we'll we'll talk about him a little bit next week. But I'm marking down Nehemiah 7 7 as well. So, okay, I want to move into chapter four here before we, uh, what time do we have here? Actually, chapter four is, is again, it's, it's a pretty straightforward chapter. It's not like we have to go back and look at a lot of other verses or have to unwind a lot of verbiage in here. But it does show us, again, the challenges that Nehemiah and his men had as they were building this gate or, the, or repairing the wall and, and repairing the gates. So we can remember this and kind of see a pattern of human behavior as we watch what Sanballat and, and uh, the men there, how they challenged. You remember in chapter two, um, well, remember in Ezra, they first were, oh, you know what, we'll help you. We'll help you build the wall. We'll help you build the temple. And Ezra said, no, no, no. God, you don't need to help us. God will provide everything that we need. They are pretty kind, pretty friendly to Nehemiah, um, you know, uh, and, uh, as as they come in and begin the wall, they kind of laugh at him like, oh, you're not going to you're not going to do anything. But Nehemiah and his men just proceed and they go to work and they get the work done. So in chapter four, verse one, let me get rid of uh, the, the share here. Um Chapter four, verse one, it says, so happened when Sanballat, remember we met, we met him in chapter two, heard that we were rebuilding the wall. 
he was furious. He was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. So it was okay at first, like, okay, if we can kind of dissuade you, if we could dissuade you a little bit and throw you off base a little bit, that's okay. But here in chapter three, we see all this work that's going on. It gets done pretty quickly. And Sanballat, when he sees they didn't dissuade him, they're out there working, he gets mad. That's part of human nature. Now, now I'm ticked off that you're doing what you came to do. And we don't want this wall built. We don't want Jerusalem uh, built back up again. Uh, Ms. Keeler, do you have a comment? You're muted if you're muted if you do. Okay, well, I'll continue. I'll continue um, here in chapter four. Verse two says, he spoke before his brethren with the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? What are they doing? What are what what's coming back into our area here? And I that that may be something as as the world looks and sees what's going on in Jerusalem when these things happen and they have all these articles and instruments already prepared. What are they doing? They may they may do it, but if the Jews in this day and age are serious about daily sacrifices again, perhaps they will take the same lead and just go march forward and do it, and we'll be hearing those questions. What are they going to do? Will they be offering sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? All these gates have been turned down. You know, these are probably the people who had part in breaking down the wall and burning the gates. And Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him. And he said, whatever they build, he's kind of making fun of them, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. They don't know what they're doing. So even if they build a wall back, you know, we can go back in. It's probably what he's thinking. And we can destroy it all again. We don't have to worry about a wall of Jerusalem. These people aren't capable of doing things. The same thing that people might talk about us, right? God says he doesn't, he doesn't call the mighty people of earth, the wise people of earth. He calls the foolish and base things. But he gives us his spirit and he gives us what we need, the skills, the, the wisdom, whatever we need in order to get the job done that he wants us to. Same thing with Nehemiah. They may have looked at him and his team and thought, ah, these are people that don't know what they're doing. That wall isn't going to stand. But here they are, and just looking to God and relying on God and God blessing what they're doing, they get the job done, and it's a pretty sturdy wall. Sturdy wall. Verse 4, hear, O God, for we are despised. Nehemiah knew it. These people hate us. They may have tried to present themselves as our friends, but they don't like us at all. We are, this is an interesting prayer. That, that Nehemiah offers here. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads. Give them as plunder to a land of captivity. So as he sees what's going on, he's, you can see he's a little irritated at what's going on with, the, with them. And he prays an interesting prayer to God. Don't cover their iniquity. Don't let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Look what they've done. They've been taunting us. They've been taunting us um, and trying to prevent what we're doing. But in verse 6, despite everything that all the detractors were doing, so we built the wall. So we built the wall. We didn't let them dissuade us. We didn't let them scare us. We weren't afraid of what they were doing. We didn't get, we didn't get uh, discouraged. We just kept doing. Trying to remind you what Christ said 
um, in Matthew 24, blessed are those who he finds so doing when he comes, because there will be plenty of distractions during that time. There will be plenty of things trying to scare us and take us away from what God's will does. But just like Nehemiah and his team, what we do is we keep so doing. Whatever God has us to do, we keep doing it and don't let their distractions and threats um, and anger dissuade us. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Sheldon mentioned the, the unity that was there and all the people had a mind to work. So they got it done. The only negative we find in all that chapter three are the nobles of the uh, Tekoites, right? They didn't participate. They were above it. But everyone else did their job from the priests right on down to whoever those people were. And that's what God is looking for from, from you and me there. We are united and we all have a mind to work. And that and when we do, he will bless what the work is, what, what the work. He'll show us what needs to be done. He knows how the walls get built. He knows how the gospel gets preached. He knows what it is we need to do. We just need to do it. And we need to come together as one in one accord and, and have the same mind of God. So in verse seven, verse seven, it so happened, or it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. Remember, close the gaps, stand in the gap, all those things that we read in Ezekiel 20, they were closing the gaps. And it was like, nothing we have done yet, nothing we have done yet has stopped them. So they became angry and all of them conspired. All of them conspired to come together and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. That's what Satan, that's what Satan does. If he can create confusion and chaos, that's what we that's what he will do. You know, earlier today I was doing something and we were talking about the chaos that will be in the world when when you look at Revelation 13 and the beast power comes up out of the sea and whatever. And wherever there is Satan, wherever he's involved, you have tremendous chaos. And I heard someone say, um, this week, some commentator somewhere was talking about chaos and and what an awful awful state it would be and to be in a state of, state of chaos. And they made the comment, it'd be better to be dead than the chaos that could come on this world. And it wasn't a priest and it wasn't a minister, but I kind of noted that in there because what he, without even recognizing what he's doing, you know, he's talking about chaos. Satan, well, God is not the author of confusion. Satan is. Satan is um, is chaos. And he was looking at the situation and the world and where things were going and was able to make that comment. But this is this is what the people, the enemies of the work of God do. They became angry. They came to attack. They came to create confusion. Nevertheless, Nehemiah says, we had all these things going on on the outside. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. We kept our eyes open. We, we watched out to make sure they couldn't come in and sabotage anything that we were doing. And Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. So you can see what, they're, what the enemies were doing, what the detractors were doing, just doing anything they could to disrupt the work, just throw rubbish at it. And one of the workers like, we can't even build it. We got all these things going on. They just keep throwing things at us. They're doing anything they can to stop 
to stop the work. And our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst. Ah, what they really want and kill them and cause the work to cease. We will do anything. We will get anything to stop that wall from being built. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came and they told us 10 times from whatever place you turn, they'll be upon us. The threats, no matter where you go, we'll be. You're not safe. You're not safe. Our eyes are on you and we will find you and we will, we will do whatever it takes again to stop. Therefore, Nehemiah says, I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. And I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their, and their bows. You know what? We kind of, we set up a watch. Uh, you know, God will protect. Nehemiah never doubted that God would protect them, but he did what it took to at least show that they are taking the efforts to be protected and aware of what the enemy is doing and not just, not just going about as if, if they're blind to it. They still trusted in God, but they took action, just like the way, just, you know, like we lock our doors, not because we don't trust God um, and everything, but we take the actions that we need to take to protect ourselves. And that's what they did. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, don't be afraid. You know, over and over again, you know, we hear Christ saying, um, you know, don't be afraid. Don't fear them. Moses, God told Moses when the Israelites' backs were against the Red Sea, don't be afraid. Here it is. Don't be afraid. Trust in God. He will watch over us. We'll do what we need to do. We will continue the work. We won't let it stop. We will keep going. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So here he is, you know, saying, you know, protect, protect the people um, that you love. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing. So they had this evil, this evil plan, but, um, you know, Nehemiah put a counter plan in attack. And when they learned, oh, well, that didn't, we didn't scare them the way we thought we would. They actually will stand up against us. And that hasn't stopped what what it was going to do. Um, when it came known to them that God brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. Now, how long that took? Not too long, because the whole wall got built in 52 days. There was a lot of people working on it, but there was a lot of work to be done. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. So they were, you know, they were there like, we we're just keeping a watch. We're keeping a watch out. Hey, Reggie, go ahead. Sandy's one. Sandy. Hey, hey, Sandy. You see my comment, the Bible commentary uh, brought out that in verse 9, it wasn't just Nehemiah that prayed. It says we. It oh, nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. Yeah. They were all working together in harmony and when they realized they needed God, it wasn't just they were praying to God. Yep. All working together and they prayed a prayer. Very, yeah, very good. Okay. Looking at hands there. So, um, okay. Um, where were we? Verse 17. 
Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Let's see what they did. It was like, okay, they know that they we know that they have we have a defense against them, but we're going to continue to work. Maybe we can't work as fast, but we're not going to let them stop us. Their mission is to stop us, but we're going to keep working and we'll 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 do it with one hand and the other hand they know we're prepared. We're prepared if they try to, to come in and stop us. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So again, you have the faith that's there. Okay, we'll call everyone together. We got a problem. We got the trumpet here. God will fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of the men held the spears until daybreak, or from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. And the verse 23 is a, a an interesting verse. Um, Interesting verse. It says, so neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. And I, it was a, I thought it was an interesting verse. And I looked up in the commentaries and 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 all I really couldn't find anything. But you know what it tells me? They were dedicated. They never let their guard down. Day and night, they had their minds set on what their job was. They never let their guard down so that they was a, were aware of what was going on. And they they were, you know, they had their uh, weapons of warfare ready, just like we should always have our weapons of warfare ready, not relax, not, not you know, take our eyes off of what the danger is and realize that there is always Satan um, and detractors who will look to do anything to, to interrupt us. So that's the end of uh, chapter four. We've been at it for about an hour, so let me let me end there and uh, open it up for any comments or anything. Hey, Dale. Oh, yeah. Hi there, Mr. Shavey. Yeah, um, I was reminded that Christ said he would build his church and the gates of hell and not prevail against it. That's uh, a very encouraging scripture for us. Mm -hmm. And good. also, uh, also, mm -hmm. of course, uh, you mm -hmm. know, Christ did his father's work 100 percent of the time. He was totally dedicated, no matter what the obstacles and everything. And, of course, he's our example as we do the work ourselves. He is our example. He never, yep, he never he kept his eyes on the goal the whole time. Yes, very good. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay. Hey, Debbie. Okay, hi. <laughs> so um, I just want to remind you, I think your wife read the series, uh, the Chronicles of the Kings, the Hezekiah series. Yes, she and did. Then and then there's three other books about uh, Judah coming back to Jerusalem. It's called the Restoration Chronicles. The first book is Return to Me. Second is Keepers of the Covenant and On This Foundation. Those books are excellent in putting you in that environment and how they felt. It, those, that lady did a wonderful job of writing the books. But the, the three books coming back from Babylon to Judah is so well worth it. Even my husband read the whole series. And of course, he's not baptized, but he really, really enjoyed it as well. 
Yeah, I I, re, I remember when Debbie was reading that book and some other ladies, and yeah, even though it's it, you know he he kind of fills in some of the blanks. It was a very good a very good depiction or picture of how life was back then. So yeah, yeah I, re, I remember when they were reading those. So. Right, it's historical fiction, but she fills in very very good. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay, Reggie. <laughs> Whenever uh, it talks about in Ezekiel about the sacrifices, uh, Jerry Smith did a Bible study on uh, Ezekiel about the sacrifices being reinstituted at the return of Christ. Okay. Why would that be done since Christ is a sacrifice? That, that, that's a question that comes up quite a bit. I don't know that we know exactly why. Um, but there is a reason that God would have those sacrifices occur again. Maybe it's he wants people to understand the, you know, the price of sin, the blood that had to be offered for it, but we don't know exactly why. We'll, we'll know. We'll know when Christ returns why those sacrifices would be occurring again, but we, we don't, at least I don't fully understand that yet. And as that question has been asked, um, we just don't know. We just don't know what we know they will be, so... You're out leaving God's hands. Leaving God's hands. He's he's got a reason. And we'll we will understand then why it's important. Um, hey Bill. You know, I have a question you for you. That? I here's what I'd I'd like. Could you call I left a message on your phone a while back. Could you call me? Because this is something I wanted to discuss with you in private. Okay. You went, uh, you left a message for me? Yeah, about okay. oh, three or four days ago on your on your phone line, hmm. okay. and maybe it did. Maybe it didn't go through. Okay. Um, or no, excuse me. Did I? Okay, I might have left it on your email. I I can't remember. So okay. you don't have my phone number, right? Do I'm sorry. You don't have my phone number. I right? don't have your phone number now. Can I give it to you right now? Uh, if you want to give it in front of all the people, yes, that's okay, and I'll give you a call. Okay, here we go. 541-6-6-2-0-9-0-1. Okay, I'll give you a call. I'll give you a call when the Bible study's over. No Oh, okay. That that'd be great. Thank you. Okay. Okay. We'll do. Hey Susan. Hi, Mr. Shaby. Who's the author of the books that Debbie was mentioning? Um Debbie, do you Debbie, are you still on? Yes, it's Sarah Austin. Okay, thank you. No, 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 I'm sorry. Lynn Austin. Okay. Lynn. Lynn Austin. Excellent, right. excellent. Okay, thank you so much. Uh -huh. I believe I read those books and they are good. She's a good author overall. <laughs> okay, anything else, anyone? I'm looking, we should be able to cover chapters five and six next week. JB? Yes. Hey, Karen. Uh, um, I, I sent you a note last week. Obviously, I could get on now, on, uh, at least on my um, on my cell phone. Um, you know, if the other um, Bible studies that you ended up having, the series, have they been posted? Or did you just give them and they're not and they're not listed? No, all, all the Isaiah ones are posted. No, I know. I did all the Isaiah. I'm talking okay. about you talked 
couple weeks ago about you you named several uh series of the books that you've already done before oh, you yes. ended they are they are all posted at ucg.org slash congregations slash home hyphen office. Okay. Okay. So if you look for that. the I, if you go to local yeah. Baby. Yeah, if you do that, go into sermons and they're all listed there in order, all the books that we've been through. So I didn't know how long ago you did that, so I didn't know if they were posted or not. Yeah, they've been posted for at least two or three years. So, and you know what? I I tell you, uh, I I agree with uh, Tracy. I asked especially, uh, like like uh, I can't see the chart on the um on my small phone, and that I'd I'd love to be able to uh if if you end up putting that on the on the thing so that we can end up uh, making copies. I will do that. In fact, I have your email address, so I'll just I'll email you a copy of it too when we're done well, here. So. That, that's okay. That's okay. I'm talking about for for the future for when you end up doing any chart maps uh, that that really would help to be able to go through okay. that. Okay. We try to do that. I don't know what happens to them when the posts get older. That's that's the thing. But we I'll I'll, I'll post that one. I'll post that well, one tonight. So one the ones we the one when I go under sermons, I believe all we get is the audio. I don't get anything as far as the video, so I don't get to see any of the maps or anything. Yeah, the Bible like studies that. we usually just we just usually post the audio. So no, I'm I'm talking about all of Isaiah and everything. Yes, yeah. But Thank if you need so anything much. from Isaiah, just just let me know, and you know I can I can email you something. No, I I don't want you to have to go through all all, the, all, all that. I would have loved to have had those for uh for to be able to um to insert with my notes. Okay. Uh, but when when you end up saying that those are going to be helpful for us to be able to uh to be able to understand it more, um i i just don't i didn't get i wasn't able to get that you know i wasn't able to see that at all thank you okay. so much okay okay sherry swindle hi hi um i was going on trying to get on different ways i found a few different ways to get on the bible study thing you can actually even just go to the main website and type in rick shavey bible studies oh okay comes right up okay. <laughs> but all the Bible studies, they're all out of order. Like you've got the sixties and that, then you got the one and then it goes in. You got to look around for all the ones you want. They're not all in order. I, I, you know, so that, that's why I think if you go to that home office site, if you go, if, you know, if you don't remember the, the hyphen, it's hard to find it. Right. But if you go to congregations, right. you know, and look, just type in Cincinnati that you're in Cincinnati, you'll see this home office one. I think they're all in order there. If I remember correctly, they should. I don't, I don't remember seeing it in order when I did it that okay. way. Either, I'll, 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 it, look. It, I'll look and, and we'll, we'll see because they should just go right down. Cause we, that's why right I was hoping order, they'd so get it under, I was hoping order. they'd get it under uh, uh, its own tab where you just hit Bible study and there it is. <laughs> okay. 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 Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Gail got a question comment. Oh no! Sorry, that if it, with my hand up accidentally there, maybe. Oh oh no! I well no, there was a Gail that uh, her, her. Oh oh, oh sorry, was... Gail, not Dale. Okay. And I'm here. I'm here. Yes. I really enjoyed this. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, excellent. Every part of the Bible is enjoyable. So okay. Yeah, I'm from uh, I'm from Canada, from Winnipeg, Manitoba. <laughs> okay. Very good. Yeah, I'm on every week. Okay. Well, it's good to, okay. good, good to be with much. you. Realize I, still I go. Okay. Why don't we go ahead and um, 
Go ahead. Um, if any of you are in Dallas, we're going to be in Dallas for Sabbath services this week and for the conference next week. So we'll see you there. The rest of you, we have a very wonderful Sabbath and we will look forward to next Wednesday. We'll be back together next Wednesday. Is that okay? Yeah, sounds great. Thank you. Okay. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Good night. Read your text. Bye.